everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Historic Pinstripes, where we discuss the history of the New York Yankees. Again, my name is Brian, and I have been a diehard Yankees fan since I was about seven years old. The goal of the Historic Pinstripes show is, as always, to preserve the rich history and tradition of the New York Yankees by discussing the greatest players and moments in Yankees history. So today's episode will be on... Um, the Murderer's Row teams of the 1927 Yankees and 1928 Yankees. Um, this, the Murderer's Row referred to the top six um, hitters in the, in the Yankees lineup that year. The Yankees actually had probably one of, one of the greatest offensive teams in the history of baseball. Um, of course, since then, there's been a lot of other great offensive teams, but that was really the first like truly great offensive team. Um, just from top to bottom, they could do it all. But there was also, um, the, the first six hitters were Earl Coombs, uh, Mark Koenig, Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, Tony Lazari, um, and they also had uh, Silent Bob, Bob Musil, who actually batted behind uh, Lou Gehrig, uh, then um, Tony Lazari as well. Uh, and those were the first six hitters in the Yankees lineup, which they were referred to as Murderer's Row. Um, that was probably the greatest Yankees lineup right up until maybe, I don't know, either the Big Red Machine or even, I guess, the 1961 Yankees. There, there have been quite a few others, but that was the very first of the truly great offensive teams that just that just were stacked. And, um, like, obviously, of course, 1927, everyone knows about Babe Ruth um, and the year he had. Anyway, so that's the topic for this week. Um, so let's get into it a little bit more. There was actually seven Hall of Famers on that team. Um, three of or Two of them were starting pitchers, Wait Hoyt and... Um, uh, Herb Pennock and also the manager Miller Huggins was also a Hall of Famer. Uh, four other Hall of Famers were, of course, Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, and then there was Tony Lazari and Earl Coombs as well. And those were the seven Hall of Famers on the 1927 Yankees. Um, as far as the 1927 Yankees, that obviously that year they set a record for most wins ever, and it stood, uh, it actually stood until uh, 1998 when the New York Yankees, again, they, they, uh, were the, team to break the record um they actually i think they won 114 games in 98 for the whole regular season and then they ended up winning 125 games which is actually still a record um but of course back in 1927 they only played 154 games a year i believe so they were 110 and 94 that year which was far and away better than any any other team Um, they had 114 total wins because of course they only had played the world series in the playoffs they went on to beat the Pittsburgh Pirates in four games. And also some of the other teams, along with the 98 Yankees and the 1927 Yankees, to have had like close to that many wins are the 1998 Yankees, of course, like I mentioned, with the 114. Um, the 2001 Mariners had 116 wins total. Of course, they didn't go that far in the postseason that year. Um, but the Red Sox also, they had 108 wins in 2018. Um and um, the 1961 Yankees as well, they had 109 wins. Um, and I think there have been a few other teams there, but those are just some of uh, some of the other teams that have had um, great years since the 1927 Yankees. As for the 27 Yankees, their uh, roster um, consisted of a catcher named Pat Collins, who he only played 89 games, He was, but he was their primary catcher that year. He had a 1.8 wins above replacement, which wins above replacement, if you're not familiar with, um, that stat, it basically just shows how valuable the player was to their club. Uh, so his, he, he obviously was a pretty decent catcher that year. But, I mean, he wasn't like an all-star or anything like that. 
Um, but anyways, so we had Pat Collins at catcher. Lou Gehrig was our first baseman. He played 155 games, of course, with the, with the, with the Yankees. Um, of course, that was during his, his streak, uh, the Ironman streak, like I had mentioned before. He had an 11.8 wins above replacement that year. Um, also, Lou Gehrig was the uh, most valuable player that year. Tony Lazzari, another Hall of Famer for the Yankees, played 113 games that year, second baseman for the Yankees. He was more known as a kind of a, a hitter that would just move, move move the runners over. I think they actually called him Push Him Up Tony, um, which I think is kind of that's kind of why they called him that, I, I believe. Uh, the third baseman was Joe Dugan, um, otherwise known as Jumping Joe Dugan. Um, he, they had gotten him from the Red Sox earlier um, in his career, um, I think it was a trade uh, following the Babe Ruth trade. There was a bunch of trades, of course, that I had mentioned in previous episodes. Shortstop was Mark Koenig, who I mentioned before. He was a switch hitter, played 122 games. Um, he wasn't one of their better players, but he, at this, during this time, uh, I believe Koenig had some of his better years. Uh, he was also another guy. Uh, Bob Musa was the left fielder. Um, Silent Bob, they called him. Um, played 83 games that year, so um, I would imagine he must have had some some injuries. He had a 4.1 wins above replacement. He was a good hitter, mostly a good contact hitter. He drove in a lot of runs though, but um, he he could hit home runs, but usually they weren't like a Babe Ruth or he wasn't like an overpowering hitter or anything like that. But he was just a good hitter. But he wasn't. Um, he, he actually came up short in the Hall of Fame. He wasn't like I said. He he wasn't great. He probably but he was he was uh, pretty darn good in his day. Earl Coombs, of course, the center fielder, Hall of Famer. Um, one of the best leadoff hitters probably ever. Um, he played 151 games in 1927 for the Murderers Row Yankees. Earl Coombs had a seven WAR win or wins above replacement, so he that that's uh, pretty darn good. Um, it shows you how good he was. And Babe Ruth, um, of course, that year put, hit 60 home runs more than any other team hit that year. And he didn't even win the Most Valuable Player. Like I said, it was Lou Gehrig that won. Of course, Lou Gehrig also had a great year as well. But anyways, for the starting rotation, they had Wait Hoyt, who was one of their top pitchers. He was 22-7 and that year with a 2.63 ERA. Herb Pennock, another Hall of Famer as well, had a 19-8 and record with a 3.00 ERA. George um, Pipgrass was another starter. He had a 2.2 wins above replacement. That year, he didn't have as good of a year. 1928, he actually had a better year. Um, he was one of their better pitchers in 1928. Um, but he was their other starter. They also had another starter named Dutch uh, Rutger. Um, they, and another starter named Urban Shocker, who actually um, passed away when he was very young. I think it was after the 1928 season. It was, it was a, a, a kind of a, of a big story back then because he was one of the best pitchers in, uh, in the league. Um, and uh, he ended up passing away. But um, he actually had a, a wins above replacement that year of 3.3. And um, his record that year was 18-6 and six with a 2.84 ERA. So he was very, very good. Um, and uh, also there was a, a guy they had as a closer. Believe it or not, they did have a closer that year. Of course, closers were, not, were much different. They were used a lot different than they are used now because they were mostly used to come in the game whenever the starter didn't have it, and they would pitch as long as they could, um, maybe even the rest of the game. The closer was Will Seymour. Um, and I don't even know if they really called them the closer back then, but uh, that's what it was listed as in the um, the reference that I had found it on baseballreference.com. Um, and he actually had a 19-7 record, which is 19 wins for a reliever is a lot of wins. Um, he also had 13 saves as well. 
and he had a 2.28 ERA. Back then, they didn't really get a lot of save opportunities, and in order for them to save it, you know, the starter wouldn't really have to, they would have to really pitch a bad game, and the reliever would come in and just pitch as long as they could. Um, so they also had another uh, relief pitcher named Miles Thomas as well, uh, and that pretty much rounds out the entire 1927 Yankees. Um, those are like the most prominent names, I would I would, I would say. Um, uh, but I think there were a few other guys. However, moving on with the Murderers Row Yankees. So Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig, they combined to hit 117 home runs and 339 RBIs, just the two of them. And uh, Ruth had uh, well over 100 RBIs as well as Lou Gehrig. Um, actually, I believe Gehrig, I, I believe Gehrig might have had m more RBIs that year. Um, but either way, they both had an insane amount of RBIs. Gehrig had 47 home runs. Of course, Ruth had 60 home runs. Um, uh, and Bob Musil and Tony Lazari also had very good years as well. Um, they, they combined with 205 more RBIs for the New York Yankees. They had 549 RBIs between all four hitters, Bob Musil, Tony Lazari, uh, Babe Ruth, and Lou Gehrig. Um, the Yankees of that year, Murderers Row Yankees, they had five 300 hitters in their lineup, Lou Gehrig, Babe Ruth, Bob Musil, Tony Lazari, and Earl Coombs. Um, they even had a lot of players that had a lot of sacrifice hits. Lou Gehrig, Tony Lazari, and Bob Musil all each had 21 sacrifice hits, um, and Babe Ruth had 14 sacrifice hits, and Mark Connick had uh, 15 sacrifice hits. And that I just kind of found kind of interesting because, you know, the game is a lot different than it used to be. Nowadays, you don't really see a whole lot of sacrifice hitting and moving runners, um, which is something that's kind of missing from the game today. And obviously, and, you know, I'll always love baseball, but that's something I would like to see more of in the game. But um, it's, it's um, I just found that fascinating how someone like Babe Ruth had 14 sacrifice hits. Um, but of course, like I said, that, that was, it was a different style of baseball back then. And the way that they played and just the strategy and, and everything was just a lot different, and they they wanted their players to be more aggressive and to run a lot, and and even hitters, even players like Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth actually used to steal, or at least he used to attempt to steal. And this was 1927. He was he was a little bit more overweight, but they they always, um, depending on the manager, a lot of managers usually they they were a lot more aggressive. Uh, moving on, um, the the guy who had the lowest amount of sacrifice hits was actually the leadoff hitter, Earl Coombs, and this kind of surprised me, of course, like I was mentioning, you know, you don't expect Babe Ruth to have more sacrifice hits than Earl Coombs, the leadoff hitter, and Coombs was a fast runner, too. I mean, maybe that was part of it was that, uh, you know, Earl Coombs was so fast that maybe he beat out a lot of the, the you know, the buns of um, the sacrifice hits that he had. And also, Tony Lazari had 22 stolen bases that year, as well as Bob Buzo had 24 stolen bases that year. Uh, Lou Gehrig and Babe Ruth, they also combined to have 246 walks. Um, the lowest on-base percentage for the 1927 Murderers Row Yankees was 320, um, 320 on-base percentage. The highest was Babe Ruth. Um, he had a 486 on-base percentage. Lou Gehrig had a 474 on-base percentage. Um, Earl Coombs, the leadoff hitter, had a 414 on-base percentage. So, I mean, this team could really, they could they could just really hit and and, and rake, and they, they, they just knew how to get on base, and, um, and you know, there were, they had to be a headache for any pitcher coming in. I'm sure any pitcher that came in and knew they had to face the Yankees in 1927, um, they, they knew they were in for a tough day with that lineup, um, 
So, anyways, uh, some of the team stats that that team accumulated in 1927. They had 158 total home runs that year. 117 home runs between Ruth and Gehrig, like I said before. Um, Lazari also had 18 home runs. Uh, pretty much after that, there was everyone else didn't really have a whole lot of home runs. Um, of course, you know, Gehrig and Ruth were the main two guys um, back then that really hit a lot of home runs. I think also Jimmy Fox of the Philadelphia A's was another guy. But other than those three guys... Um, there weren't a whole lot of other guys who hit more than like 30, 40 home runs. So, and, you know, two of them just happened to be on the Yankees. Um, so, as far as runs batted in, the Yankees had a total of 907 RBIs as a team, 339 um, for Ruth and uh, Gehrig. They also had a total of 544 RBIs between Lou Gehrig, Babe Ruth, Bob Musil, and Tony Lazari, um, which, you know, of course is more than half of the RBIs they had on the team between just those four guys. Uh, Bob Musil and Tony Lazari both had 102 or more RBIs. Gehrig and Ruth had well well over that um, amount of RBIs. Uh, the team batting average that year was 307, which is a very, very, very good. Um, if you include um, non-pitchers, because obviously back then there was no DH, they had a 316 batting average if you don't include the pitchers, which just tells you how great of a of, of a year that lineup had. Uh, so the team on base percentage that year was 384. Of course, on base percentage was not, I don't think, an official stat back in 1927, but that just tells you how much that team got on base. I mean, as a whole, like as a whole lineup, that most of the most of the team averaged out to a 384 on base percentage, which is a very very good on base percentage. The closer you get to 400 for an on base percentage, the better. Um, and you know that they, they you know they had a lot of great players as well. Um, so anyways, uh, they also had 103 triples that year as well. Lou Gehrig actually, he had one of the, he was one of the guys that had the most triples on the team. Um, which, you know, Lou Gehrig, you wouldn't, you wouldn't expect that. And actually, I believe Lou Gehrig is the, the leader on the triples list in Yankees history. Um, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's him that, that leads, um, all, all, every Yankee that's ever played on the Yankees. Um, but anyways, uh, the, um, the Yankees of 1927 also had 291 doubles. They were second that year in doubles. They led the league in triples, by the way, um, in 1927. Um, they also had 1,644 hits, led the league in that category as a team. Um, they had 976 runs scored as well, which of course led the league. And as far as pitching, you know, the, with that lineup, and as good as they were, they didn't really need a whole lot of pitching, but they did have a very good pitching staff. Like I mentioned, they had two Hall of Famers on the team in Herb Pennock, who was a left-handed starting pitcher, and Wade Hoyt, who was a right-handed starting pitcher. Wade Hoyt pitched a long time, um, and, uh, you know, uh, the, they actually led the league with an ERA, with a 3-2-0 ERA. They had um, 32 complete games, or actually 82 complete games, um, which was second in the league, um, which is a lot of complete games for now. It seems like a lot of complete games, but back then, you know, pitchers were always either they were either completing the game or getting very, very close. But usually there's a lot more complete games back then than there, there ever is now. Now there's usually a team will be lucky if they have like five complete games in a season, um, maybe not even that. Um, but they also led the league in 1927 in, with 11 shutouts. As well, they had 22 saves. Um, they were second in the league. And, you know, of course, like I said, relief pitchers 
um, it was much different in the bullpen back then. Uh, so 22 saves. They had a 122 ERA plus earned run average um, adjusted, which is basically just a stat that shows. Uh, uh, um, it just basically shows how good the the starting pitchers were for each team. 100 is basically adjusted as league average. So uh, the Yankees were 122. Um, they had a 122 ERA plus that they were 22 percent above the league average. Um, 22% better than all the other uh, teams, um, you know. And of course, they had the 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 best ERA in all of baseball that year. Um, in the World Series that year against the Pirates, they swept them. Uh, Brave Baruth actually hit two home runs in the World Series. He had a three-run home run in Game Three of the seventh inning with one out, and the Yankees went on to win that game eight to one. And he also had a two-run home run in Game Four in the fifth inning. And uh, that was with one out. That was a go-ahead home run. And, of course, they won that game as well. Um, the Pirates, however, ended up tying it after the go-ahead home run in the seventh inning with one out. And um, then an, uh, it was an RBI single and a sack fly by Paul Wehner and um, also a, uh, a sack fly by Clyde Barnhart um, off of Wilson Moore, who was the closer. Then, in the bottom of the ninth of that very same game that Ruth had the go-ahead home run, um, the bases were loaded for Tony Lazzari. There were two outs, and the pitcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates, Johnny Milgis, um, he threw a wild pitch, then um, Earl Coombs scored, and the Yankees won the World Series. And that's how the 1927 Yankees won. And it, it, if, in a lot of ways, when I first saw that, it, it kind of is kind of fitting. I mean, it's it's kind of surprising, but it is kind of fitting too because the 1927 Yankee lineup was so intimidating. It had to be so intimidating for pitchers, just the fact that they had Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig back to back in the lineup, but they also had these other, um, uh, these other four hitters, you know, and and that had to be intimidating for any pitcher coming in, especially a pitcher that might not have been as good. Um, or if they just didn't have a great day and they had to face these guys, and especially with the game on the line, um, you know, it's not easy to, to pitch just in general, but when you get to pitch against a lineup like that, that had to be extremely difficult. And, um, you know, so it's almost like they intimidated the Pirates and, and won a championship. But uh, obviously, you know, they just had a great lineup, and, you know, that uh, – that it was that's just quite a way to win a World Series on a basically a walk off wild pitch, and it was just it, to me it was surprising to to see that the Murderers Royal Yankees won like that. Obviously they you know they had won the first three games in the series, so they were clearly the better team, and you know obviously with 114 wins, um you know in in total throughout the whole season that year 110 wins in the regular season, um you know, that, that was a great, great team, and they weren't going to be denied. Um, to, but anyways, um, the inning, that inning in the bottom of the ninth of Game 4 of the 1927 World Series, um, it started with a walk to Earl Coombs. Um, so then there was two wild pitches that inning. Of course, the last one with Earl Coombs scoring on the play from third base. Uh, but there was also an infield single on a bunt by Mark Connick. Um, he beat out the bunt, and it was right down the third baseline. I guess it was uh, shallow down the third baseline. And also, uh, Ruth ended up um, walking intentionally uh, in that inning. He Actually, the first wild pitch came during Ruth's first at-bat, and then after that, that's when they decided to just walk him. And then they struck out Gehrig and Musel, and, of course, then they ended up with the wild pitch, and, um, and the Yankees ended up 
of course, winning on the walk-off wild pitch. And it's that's going to be a crazy way to end a baseball game or end really a baseball season, um, especially considering how good that team was and just to win on a wild pitch. But you have such a great lineup like that. It's just, that's pretty surreal. But anyways, either way, it's a win. Um, also, in 1927, that Yankee team, just to go a little bit more in-depth than how that lineup hit against lefties, they had a 309 batting average, 373 on base percentage. Um, they had a 307 batting average versus right-handed hitters and a 380 on base percentage. Um, so they 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 pretty much crushed everybody. It didn't really matter if you were a righty or a lefty. Um, uh, they got on base maybe a little bit more uh, as far as walks are against right-handed pitchers, but like they, they just crushed everybody. They had 73 stolen bases, though, against righties and 19 against lefties. Of course, um, there was a lot more right-handed pitchers even back then than left-handed pitchers as well. Um, and they had 118 home runs against right-handed pitchers, only 40 against lefties. Um, I'm sure some of that is because, you know, there was a lot more right-handed pitchers. As far as their totals, um, you know, they had a 307 batting average overall, 384 on base percentage overall, 158 home runs, like I mentioned, 100, uh, 908 RBIs and 92 stolen bases as a team and 103 triples as a team. Like I said before, uh, they led the league in triples um, as a team. Um, their home uh, their home numbers, they had 83 home runs at home, nine, uh, 75 on the road. So they had a lot more home runs at home. And obviously, you know, with Yankee Stadium and a lot of those left-handed hitters like Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig, you know, Yankee Stadium with that right short field or short porch in right field. Um, and of course, back then, I believe the corner was like 297 or something like that, 296, 297 um, on the, at the right field fall pole. So, of course, that had to really help them out a lot. But, you know, Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig really didn't need a whole lot of help. And actually, right center field, of course, like I mentioned in previous episodes, was known as Ruthville. And that's obviously, of course, because Babe Ruth had so many home runs. Um, uh, on the, at home, um, they actually had a little bit less runs batted in at home than they did on the road. And maybe that's because they had more home runs um, at Yankee Stadium. They also had a 312 batting average at Yankee Stadium and a 313 batting average on the road. And they had a 389 bat, um, on base percentage at home and a 379 on base percentage on the road. Um, their first half that year, they had 93 home runs. They had a 51 stolen bases, a 316 batting average. A th they had a 392 on base percentage. And in the second half, they had 65 home runs, uh, 41 stolen bases, 298 batting average. Um, they also had a 375 on base percentage, and it, they also had 394 RBIs, 574 RBIs in the first half. So they they really crushed the ball in the first half of the year. So obviously their numbers are a little bit better in the first half, but I mean either way they they had a they had a great year um, in both. And I'm sure some of that was because they were so far ahead by the end of the season that they could kind of just coast a little bit. Um, but anyways. As far as with runs and scoring position, the Yankees had 43 home runs. They had a 717 RBIs with runners in scoring position. They had a 301 batting average with runners in scoring position. Um, they had a 376 on base percentage with runners in scoring position. And 39 stolen bases as well with runners in scoring position. Um, so they, they were a team they could they could they could really hit in the clutch. Um, and uh, they, they usually if they had a runner on, they would find a way to get the runner in. Most of the time, anyway. Uh, 
but even a team like Murderer's Row, like, um, you know, three out of every ten times you're going to get a hit, but that just leaves seven other times you're you're going to get you're probably going to get out, um, and that's just kind of how the game is, um, and that's you know it's a, it's a game of failure in a lot of ways, and you know it just tells you like even a great team like the 1927 Yankees, um, you know that they're still even as great as that team was, they they. You know, the, the, all the pitchers are still trying to get them out. And although they had some great, great players, of course, like Lou Gehrig and Babe Ruth, two of the all-time greats, maybe even the two greatest players of all time, possibly. Um, but that's just uh, this a, a an, an opinion. Um, but uh, you could even say, but the fact that you could even say that Lou Gehrig and Babe Ruth are two of the greatest players of all time, as a pitcher, like, you still have to, like, find a way to get these guys out. And the pitchers, they're professionals too, and they wanna, they wanna find, they're, they're gotta get those guys out because that's their job. So I mean, the fact that they were able to get those guys out when they did, I mean, that must have really helped. I've, I mean, obviously they didn't always have to face Lou Gehrig and Babe Ruth um, in those situations. I'm sure, and and you know, I'm sure they, they were, they would walk, they would try to find a way to get to get around Babe Ruth, walk Ruth and get to Gehrig, and maybe find a way to get around Gehrig as well, if they could. Um, but anyways, that's just something I just wanted to mention. So anyways, Babe Ruth, he hit more home runs than any other team, as I mentioned before. And Lou Gehrig hit more than, um, he, he hit more home runs than four teams. The fact that the 1927 Yankees had the most home runs on the road was in um, Shibe Park in Philadelphia against the Philadelphia A's. They had 16 home runs in that park. Um, their best average as a team was in Detroit at Navin Field. They had a 3.53 batting average and a 4.45 on base percentage in that park at Navin Field in Detroit. Um, versus right-handed pitchers, they were 79 and 28 as a team. Left-handed pitchers, they were 31 and 16 as a team. So they played far less games against lefties, um, but you know they were still very, very good against lefties as well. Maybe even better, um, but of course they didn't play as many games. Uh, against teams that were over 500 or 500 and over, um, they were 42 and 24. But teams that under 500, they really beat up on. They were 68 and 20. And you know that that's the sign of a good team. You really have to be able to to uh, beat up on the teams that are you're supposed to beat. On the road, the Yankees were 53 and 25, and at home, the Yankees were 57 and 19 in 1927. Um, they were actually 12 and 10 against the Indians. And they were 21-1 against the St. Louis Browns as well, who were in the American League, um, not the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, of course, like I mentioned, 1927, most valuable player was Lou Gehrig, not Babe Ruth. Uh, in run-run games in 1927, they were 24-19, the 1927 Yankees. And in blowout games, they were 42-8, and um, which is was the best record in those types of games as well. Um, and I also just wanted to mention the 1928 Yankees because... The, it was the Murderer's Row lineup that really got the nickname Murderer's Row. Um, like I mentioned, Earl Coombs, uh, Mark Koenig, Babe Ruth, uh, Lou Gehrig, Bob Musil, and Tony Lazzari. Those were the main guys in the lineup. Um, but all those guys were on the 1928 Yankees. So technically, when you talk about the 27 Yankees, you're talking about the 28 Yankees too. And these are two of the greatest Yankee teams, probably the, the first two of the... Truly great Yankee teams. Of course, 1923, the Yankees 
they finally won the World Series, and they that was uh, it's actually a very underrated Yankee team. They had a great year that year as well. It's probably also one of the greatest Yankee teams as well. But 1928, so let me tell you how they, their record was 101 and 53. So they weren't quite as good as 1927, and of course, I'm sure the pressure for them to the expectations for them to to do what they did in 27 were very very high, but. You know, of course, they came up a little short in that category, but at the end of the year, of course, they ended up winning the World Series. Um, and at home at Yankee Stadium, they were 52 and 25 as a team, um, and on the road, they were 49 and 28. So they were pretty. They were pretty. That's pretty as even as you can get on the road and at home. In the first half of the 1928 season, they were 56 and 20. They had a 45 and 33 record in the second half of that year as well. Um, and one-run games, they were 19 and 14, so not quite as good in one-run games. But also in blowout games, they were 35 and 15, which is still very, very good. Um, but Babe Ruth, he had a 10.2 wins above replacement, which of course just basically shows how much better Ruth was than just the average player. Um, Lou Gehrig had a 9.4 wins above replacement. Um, uh, Herb Pennock, the starting pitcher, um, for, uh, who actually is a Hall of Famer as well, left-handed pitcher. You got a 5.9 wins above replacement. And Wait Hoyt, another Hall of Famer, uh, he was a right-handed starting pitcher, had a 5.2 wins above replacement that year. Herb Pennock actually had 17 wins, 6 losses. He had a 2.56 ERA that year. Gehrig had played 154 games, 27 home runs. So he had 20 less home runs, but he also had 47 doubles as well. And um, he also had 13 triples that year, which, of course, like I said, Garrick actually hit a lot of triples. And I'm sure part of that maybe was the Yankee Stadium back then was such a big park and the gaps. Um, I think it went out to like 500 feet. Uh, it might have been even been further than 500 feet in left center field. That's why, obviously, they called it Death Valley and left center field. Obviously, now that it's not quite as deep, so Death Valley and Yankee Stadium, it's not, it's not the same Death Valley as it was. Uh, back then um, but anyways um, so that was Lou Gehrig's numbers he also had 147 RBIs he had a 374 batting average um, so he had a great year 467 on base percentage Babe Ruth had 54 home runs so he still was mashing the ball out of the park quite a bit I mean and pretty much at the same rate um, but he also had 146 RBIs as well um, as Gehrig's 147 RBIs, he had a 323 batting average, and he had a 463 on-base percentage. Um, one thing about Ruth, even though he did strike out a lot more than any other player back then, he also had a very, very good eye, and it was very selective at the plate. And although I think part of the reason why he struck out so much was because he, you know, he had such a big swing, and, you know, of course, when you have a big swing, you know, sometimes there's going to be, your, your swing's not as compact, and there's, you're going to have a little more holes in your swing. So you're going to strike out a little bit more, but he was also very selective at the plate as well. You know, he walked a lot. Some of that, I'm sure, was because he had Lou Gehrig behind him, and pitchers would just kind of try to pitch around him. Um, but anyways, so Ruth had a great year. Um, Tony Lazari had a 4.6 wins above replacement that year. Um, he had a 332 batting average, a 397 on base percentage. Probably might have been one of his best years. Maybe he, maybe the best year of Lazari's career. Um, he had 10 home runs, 82 RBIs, 11 triples. Mark Connick had a 2.0 wins above replacement. Again, he was a switch hitter. He had 319 that year. 27-28 were his two best seasons. Um, he was the shortstop for the Yankees. Um, he had a 319 average, 
360 on base percentage and 10 triples. Um, Earl Coombs, the leadoff hitter for the 27 Yankees or 28 Yankees right now. Um, he had a 310 batting average that year, 381 on base percentage, 21 triples, and 33 doubles. Bob Usel had 11 home runs, um, and he had 113 RBIs with a 297 batting average in 1928. He had a 2.9 wins above replacement as well. Uh, Bob Musil was getting a little bit older by this time, but he was still a very good player. Uh, also, George Pipgrass, who was their number three starter, he had a better year, much better year in 1928 than he did in 27. 27, I think his ERA was a little closer to four. It might have been four, actually. Uh, but George Pipgrass had a 4.6 wins above replacement. He had 24 wins, 13 losses. Um, uh, but, of course, back then they pitched a lot more. He actually pitched 302 thirds innings. Um, which is really, that's kind of hard to imagine anybody doing that nowadays. Um, but he had a 1.38 walks and hits per innings pitched. So, I mean, he did walk a, a, a lot more batters than necessary, maybe. But he also had a very, very good year. He had 112 ERA plus, or earned run average adjusted. Um, of course, 100 is league average, and his was 12% above league average. Um, his DRA was 3.38, and he had 22 complete games. Of course, I'm sure maybe, you know, pitching that many games, your your command's going to go sometimes. So, I mean, it's, it, that that's a lot of innings for anyone to pitch. Um, and it's a lot of wear and tear on your arm. Anyways, um, as far as the team offenses goes, in the 1928 year, they had 133 home runs combined, 826 RBIs, they had a 295 batting average, a 365 on base percentage. They had 267 doubles, and they had 79 triples as well. Babe Ruth hit almost half of the home runs that the Yankees had on that team. With 133, he had 54. If he had hit like like around 12 more home runs, he would have had half of the total of 133. So in 1928, Babe Ruth still had more home runs than uh, four other teams, the Washington Senators, the Cleveland Indians, the uh, Chicago White Sox, and the Boston Red Sox as well. Um, also, in 1928, the 28 Yankees were 31-12 and 12 versus left-handed pitchers um, and 71-41 and 41 versus righties. So it really didn't matter who they faced. I mean, they, they, that, that, that lineup was just, they were just so good. Um, uh, but anyways, World, the, the World Series that year, they swept the St. Louis Cardinals um, and actually, I believe that's the uh, 1926. The Cardinals ended up winning, and Babe Ruth had a great World Series that year. It's probably his best World Series, maybe ever. Um, but 1928, he also had a great World Series. He really owned the Cardinals in the World Series, um, and he's a huge reason why they they won. But of course, you know, 1928 and 27, they were definitely the best team in the league. So, anyways, 1928, the Yankees just had a, a great, great team. Um, and actually, in that World Series. Uh, Wait Hoyt, who was a Hall of Famer, had two wins in that World Series, Game 1 and Game 4. Babe Ruth was 10 for 16 in that World Series, which is good for a 625 batting average, a 647 on base percentage in the 1928 World Series. He had three doubles and three home runs, which is, you know, more than half of his um, 10 hits that he had. And also Lou Gehrig had a batting average in 1928 of 545. Um, he had uh, he had six hits um, in that World Series. He was 6 for 11. He had a double, uh, four home runs, nine RBIs, six walks, no strikeouts for Lou Gehrig in the 1928 World Series, a 706 on base percentage. He had a home run in Game 2, and he also had two home runs in Game 3. And in Game Four as well, the 
the um, the game that they won the World Series, of course, because they swept the Cardinals. And also back in Game 1, Babe Ruth had two doubles, and Lou Gehrig also had a double. Um, Bob Musil had a home run in Game 1 as well. Um, so that's basically the 1927 Yankees and 1928 Yankees. That's what that's what those how why those teams were called Murderers Row. They were just such a great hitting team. They had, like I said, seven Hall of Famers: Tony Lazzari, Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, Earl Coombs, and of course uh, two starting pitchers: Wait Hoyt, Herb Pennock left in the starting pitcher, and they had um, the manager, uh, former manager Hall of Famer. Miller Huggins as well um so I mean that team was just stacked they had so many great players on that team um and and you know they just they they were clearly better than any team in the league and they really you can see how like obviously in 1927 how um that they won on a wild pitch and and I can I would imagine that's very rarely ever happened in World Series history where a team has won on a wild pitch and um you know, I'm sure a lot of that had to do with, you know, pitchers needing to be careful with pretty much every single hitter in that Yankee lineup in 1927. Um, but anyways, so thank you all for listening this week to um, the episode on the Murderer's Row Yankees. And I just want to mention again that the Historic Pinstripes is a proud member of the 4041 Media family with other podcasts such as Movie Theater Time Machine, Honest Fitness Talk with your trainer Nick, and a bunch of other podcasts like Psychic Crime, Free Your Geek, I Watch What, and there's other streamers and podcasts and YouTubers. Feel free to check out www.4041media.com for more information. Feel free to uh, comment on Facebook at Historic Pinstripes. You can also feel free to tweet us at Historic NYY. You can feel free to tweet your opinion on the Murderer's Row Yankees and anything that you might want to add. Um, you can also feel free to reach out to us on Instagram as well. Again, if you have any uh, suggestions on future topics that you might want um, me to discuss, um, you can feel free to email me at historicpinstripes at gmail.com. So I just want to thank you again for listening, everybody. And as always, go Yankees! <laughs>